All right, y'all, welcome to the Scott Horton Show. I'm the director of the Libertarian Institute, editorial director of Antiwar.com, author of the book Fool's Errand, Time to End the War in Afghanistan, and the brand new Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. And I've recorded more than 5,500 interviews since 2003, almost all on foreign policy and all available for you at scotthorton.org. You can sign up for the podcast feed there. And the full interview archive is also available at youtube.com slash Scott Horton Show. All right, you guys. It's the triumphant return of Jason Ditt, senior editor at antiwar.com. Back on the show. How you doing, Jason? I'm doing good, Scott. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Very happy to have you on the show. And I was looking through news.antiwar.com, where we keep all the bad news. And there's this great series of articles that you've been writing for the past quite a few weeks here about the Northern Front, as the Israelis call it, I guess. The South to Hezbollah. Tit for tat, as they call it. Strikes back and forth. Um, things destroyed, people killed. And I'm way behind on it, so... I was hoping we could kind of walk through this a little bit. I guess this has really been going on since October, right? Right. Uh, late October, early November, we started seeing more and more cross-border attacks between both sides. But really, it picked up a lot in the last month with the assassination of Saleh Aruri, the Hamas leader who was killed in Beirut. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, Israeli press didn't really like to publicize that fact, but Aruri was uh, a big part of the hostage exchanges, and he was working on another hostage exchange when he was killed. So this was sort of the Netanyahu government's way of saying, no, we don't want to make another deal. That is just incredible that they would <laughs> talk about making a point. Listen, you. We don't want any negotiations. And to prove that point, we're going to drop a bomb on the negotiator's head in a foreign nation. All right. Well, so as I read in your reporting here, estimates are that Hezbollah has tens of thousands of missiles. And everybody's really, I think, including supposedly the Biden administration, are really afraid that this thing is going to turn into a war possibly even worse than the 2006 war. Is that right? Right. Hezbollah has been uh, preparing for this war for quite a while because Israel has been very openly preparing for this war. Israeli officials treated another war in Lebanon like it was just a matter of time. And they've acted like, oh, this will be very easy. We're much better prepared than we were before. But realistically... Hezbollah has got a lot of weapons, and worst problem for Israel is that the rockets they've been firing across the border are not the sort of rockets that Iron Dome can really intercept. I mean, they've been able to intercept some missiles that have been fired out of Lebanon, but most of them just hit their targets whenever they're shot across the border. Yeah, so... I don't know if this is true, but it's important that it's the narrative anyway for its own reasons, is that the Biden regime put a story in the Wall Street Journal 
In fact, this was repeated in something else that you linked to that I read, or this is, I think, you know, widely believed inside the major media now, I guess, that the Israelis were going to attack Hezbollah and Biden talked them out of it. And based on, do I have the story right? American intelligence said that Israel had bad intelligence that said Hezbollah was about to launch a major attack against them. And so right. the Americans and, talked them out of, and, and this goes along with the narrative that the Americans are very worried that Israel's not going to be able to control the thing if it really breaks out, which is another maybe polite way of saying America's going to get dragged in and have to come in to try to bail the Israelis out. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the problem is uh, military intelligence has said Hezbollah, despite all the Israeli insistence to the contrary, doesn't want a ground war in Lebanon. They they just don't don't want the war if they can help it. And they've warned time and again that Israel isn't ready for a ground war either because they're stuck in the middle of an open-ended ground war in Gaza. And uh, if they're fighting on two fronts, that's going to divide their forces pretty severely. And even though all the military brass in Israel insists they can handle it and they're more than ready because of all the lessons they learned in Gaza, the U.S. doesn't seem convinced at all that they would be able to handle two wars going on at once. Mm -hmm. Well, and especially when... Blinken has said officially, and this means this is an intelligence estimate, an official, you know, understanding, I guess, of the government, that there's no military solution to Hamas in Gaza. Which means, in other words, fess up after all this time and after killing all these people, Israel has hardly been able to erode Hamas or their power at all. You know, I heard on uh, Kyle Anselone's great show, Conflicts of Interest, he was talking about, I believe it was an American intelligence assessment that said that there are still miles and miles of tunnels beneath Gaza, far more than the Israelis had estimated. And, and that truly provides safety for Hamas fighters down there, that they're not running out of food and fresh air and whatever, as the Israelis thought that they would. And so they've killed 25,000 people, and we all know it's really more than that. And they still really have uh, made, you know, only some progress against Hamas. Of course, driving more people into their arms at the same time anyway. So in the face of that, it would seem like yeah, invading southern Lebanon might be biting off more than they can chew. Which I guess Jason brings up the question of, I know you haven't been covering this personally as closely, but I know you're, you're keeping up with it overall. Um, Dave and Kyle have been writing a lot about it, antiwar.com, which is the American strikes on the Houthis, the American strikes on Shiite militias, they say, in Syria, as well as more believably in Iraq. I don't know who they're fighting in Syria, who they're bombing in Syria. I don't know if you do. but And then they say that if any of our guys, many of whom have already been wounded, the Americans, uh, I believe, told the Washington uh, was it the Times that Yes, it was the Times. It was Peter Baker in the New York Times that they think that if Americans are killed in Iraq, that they'll be politically compelled then to hit the Ayatollah in Iran. 
which really threatens to spread the thing and turn it into an absolute just regional war, America and Israel versus the Shiites, and then who knows what. Right, and there there are a fair fair number of Shiites in Lebanon, in Syria, in Iraq, in Iran, uh, northern Yemen. I mean, they're all over the place, and this would be miles bigger problem than just a second war with Hezbollah if they had to contend with three or four fronts all at once. Israel definitely can't handle that, and the U.S., will certainly be dragged into the middle of it, and I'm not sure the U.S. is ready to handle it. But it seems like the only reason they've even kept troops in Iraq is for the sake of getting them attacked so they have a pretext to retaliate. Yeah. I like this. The prime minister of Iraq now, his first name is Shia. Shia al-Sudani, and he's from the Supreme Islamic Council, right? Right. Which goes back to 2007, I remember Seymour Hersh and some preparing the battlefield or one of those from the great series of 07 where, forgot his source, I think an American general told him, man, if we hit Iran, south of Iraq is going to go up like a candle. All of our guys will be at risk. In other words, it'd be for people who saw Star Wars 3 where the clones shoot all the Jedi in the back. All our guys were embedded with the Shiites fighting a war for them. They're all going to get killed by their allies if we hit their friends next door. And same thing here. Fewer Americans to be killed. But it's the same deal. That if it came with a real... You know, they can hit... I don't know. They say they're associated militias in Iraq and then the government protests. But that can get much worse. And especially if they really hit Iran then it could be a situation where the government in Baghdad says that's it, and they turn the army that Petraeus built and start marching on American bases, kick our asses out of there. Right, and it seems like it's only a matter of time before they put their foot down about kicking the Americans out. They've tried to do it before. They tried to do it with the assassination of the Iranian general, Soleimani. Mm-hmm. And the U.S. simply said at the time, no, we're not leaving. But uh, I'm not sure that that's going to work forever. Sooner or later, Iraq is going to say, okay, no, you are leaving one way or another. It's funny, you know, uh, just trying to imagine the worst case scenario here where Never even mind, you know, Douglas McGregor says, points out that Russia and China would have a big interest in backing Iran, even if quietly, uh, in the event that all this breaks out. But even putting that aside, trying to imagine what a war with the Shiite Crescent Alliance would look like. And over time, I mean, obviously, they're going to try to do the Rumsfeld Doctrine which would not be the way they invaded Iraq, but the way Rumsfeld wished they had invaded Iraq, which would be special operations forces and air power mostly. But they're going to fight Hezbollah and the Syrian Arab army, which, by the way, is majority Sunni, but under Alawite leadership and part of the alliance with Iran, and the Iraqi army and militias and the Houthis. And they're just going to have to withdraw from some of these places and just send in B-52s, I guess. But 
I don't right. know what's going to happen. They had to withdraw from Yemen uh, a few years back when that uh, Saudi war first started because there is just no safe place for American troops to remain there anymore. Mm-hmm. No, that's the other thing, right? And this is the big issue in 07 when Cheney and Petraeus were pushing so hard for strikes in Iran. The chiefs said no because... Our uh, Al Ulid Air Base in Qatar, CENTCOM headquarters, and a massive air base would be destroyed. And same for the 5th Fleet at Bahrain. And economic target and whatever bases in UAE and Saudi and economic targets up and down the Gulf. All our troops in Kuwait and then 100,000 plus in Iraq at that time. But still, same difference. If Hezbollah has tens of thousands of missiles, then how many does Iran have? That can reach across the Gulf and completely destroy, you know, people put those uh, funny maps out of how come Iran put their country so close to all these American military bases, <laughs> you know, that aggression. But really, you know, our guys are in a way they're shields preventing war. It's like having Israeli settlers in Gaza before the withdrawal of disengagement of 05. They're kind of preventing the worst persecution of those people there. And it's like, if our guys start withdrawing from around the region, that might open up the possibility of worse intervention in a way, you know? Yeah, it, it very well might. And like you say, Russia and China surely will be backing the Iranians if this blows up into a full-scale regional war. And it's hard to blame them because, after all, with from Russia's perspective, look at what's happening in Ukraine. The U.S. and other Western countries can't wait to throw money at Ukraine to fight the Russians. So it would only make sense that the Russians would do the exact same thing in Iran. Yep. And it wouldn't take much to help them. If you just look at a map, think about how much harder it would be to tackle that country. And that's the thing of it is the chiefs know that the worst they could do is an air war against them and a missile war against them. They can't march an army into Iran. But no, really, Iran is huge. Yeah, and but can you even really launch anything but missile strikes in there? Because there's the obvious question of air power getting blasted out of the sky because you need a, you know, a pretty substantial invasion of special operations forces with laser designators to take out all that air, uh, you know, anti-aircraft. Um, you know, to lace those targets for the initial salvos to open up the airspace for more and worse. And I think there's a real question whether they could even get that done. How many men is SOCOM willing to lose to try to take Persia? I mean, you're talking about some D-Day level. I mean, there's no way they want to do that. Um, I don't know. Or Then again, who knows what they think that they can get away with. You know, with all their fancy Lockheed products and so forth that they have such confidence in. Right. Uh, and uh, you, you can just imagine what a mess it's going to be. Uh, the Iranian response alone, if they get attacked all of a sudden, suddenly that religious ban on creating nuclear weapons might not seem so pressing if they know that having nuclear weapons is the reason the U.S. doesn't attack North Korea and the reason they haven't attacked other nuclear powers. Yep. Hey, y'all, Scott here. Let me tell you about Roberts & Roberts Brokerage, Inc. Who knew? Artificial bank credit expansion leads to price inflation and terribly distorted markets. 
If you've got any savings left at all, you need to protect them. You need to put some, at least, into precious metals. Well, Roberts and Roberts can set you up with the best deals on silver, gold, platinum, and palladium. And they've been doing this since 1977. Hey, if you just need some sound advice about sound money, they're there for you too. Call Tim Fry and the guys at 800-874-9760. That's 800-874-9760. Or check them out at rrbi.co. That's rrbi.co. You'll be glad you did. Hey, y'all, you should sign up for my Substack. It's scotthortonshow.substack.com. And if you do that, you'll get the interviews a day before everybody else. But not only that, they'll be free of commercials. How do you like that? Pretty good, huh? scotthortonshow.substack.com. Hey, y'all, libertasbella.com is where you get Scott Horton Show and Libertarian Institute shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, and stickers and things, including the great Top Lobsters designs as well. See, that way it says on your shirt why you're so smart. Libertas Bella, from the same great folks who bring you ammo.com for all your ammunition needs, too. That's libertasbella.com. And right now they've settled for a latent nuclear deterrent and have hoped that that would be good enough, as you have demonstrated so many millions of times in print at antiwar.com over the years. Um, they still have not made a move toward a nuke, although... You know, I got a new thing from the Arms Control Administration, my email this morning, that had the IAEA complaining that they left out this part in brackets due to America's sabotage of the nuclear deal that America had pursued and gotten past there uh, under Barack Obama. Now the Iranian nuclear program is advancing at full speed and they're producing a lot of 60 percent. I don't know how much, really. I bet you know the details, how much really they're producing. But it's enough to make everybody very worried, and it's probably enough to be interpreted as them taunting us that, look, man, don't make us enrich up to weapons grade because you know that we can. And if they bury their facility deep enough under a mountain, they can do it in a way that we just can't stop them from doing it. So um, the status quo is bad enough, Jason, but I, I got real reason. I think we all got real reason to worry here. But and, and even though this is a real important point, too, is it is clear, kind of, sort of, that Biden mostly, right, doesn't want to spread this thing into a regional war. He probably is counseling Israel, uh, Israeli restraint. At the same time, though, he is hitting the Houthis and is hitting uh, Shiites in Iraq and Syria, and I think Nasrallah and the Ayatollah have both shown that they mostly don't want to fight, but Nasrallah certainly demonstrated that he will, as you have documented here, Hezbollah has hit some pretty important targets in Israel and pretty hard in the last few months here, and um, so I don't know, you know, Las Vegas odds and that kind of thing, but Seems like we're really in danger of this thing spiraling out of control. Possibly despite everybody's intentions, you know, they want to keep the thing narrow, more narrowly focused to Gaza, but it's already spilling over. It's been spilling over, so I don't know what's to stop it from getting that much worse. You know, I don't know. Right. That's the that's the worst part is that this is a war that doesn't need to happen. We absolutely have the Ayatollah and even Hezbollah saying 
no, we don't need a war. We could be talked out of it. We just have to be a little reasonable. And the idea that the United States is going to be reasonable with these nations after decades of hawkish comments just... It's it's a little scary to think that that's not even on the table to to be reasonable with them. Well, and if you think that Netanyahu has any kind of long term plan, which may be a stretch, but he certainly browbeat Trump into withdrawing from the JCPOA deal in 2018, which leads only really one conclusion. Right, his narrative was that that deal will never hold them; they must be confronted and destroyed their either their regime or at least their nuclear program must be completely destroyed with violent force because deals and inspection regimes can never get the job done and so if he's got a plan to make sure that one way or another this really does turn into an american war with iran now may be his opportunity to see it through right and israel has been kind of egging the U.S. on to go to war with Iran for many, many years. Uh, we had uh, Naftali Bennett, the former prime minister, saying in uh, an op-ed that was published not that long ago, saying this is the war that America needs to be fighting. And he was saying, well, Israel needs to focus on Hezbollah and Syria and things like that, and maybe not so much on Hamas. Hamas is kind of a distraction from the real fight against the Shiites, but he is also clear that when it comes to Iraq and Iran and fighting the major Shiite nations, that's America's job. And it's just a question of convincing America of that fact. Man, and then who's calling the shots? I mean, I guess it's still Biden, but he can only pay so much attention. And Blinken, you know, I know is his trusted guy, but he's only at state. He's not in the White House all day every day, which means what is his, where his chief of staff and his national security advisor, Hillary Clinton's man Sullivan, agree. Or nobody really knows exactly, like, who's even calling these shots or, you know... It seems like where Biden does call the shots, all he can say is just keep cranking it up to 11, whatever Netanyahu wants, whatever cover he needs. Although, I guess like we're talking about, he's urged some restraint in Lebanon here, supposedly, possibly. But I don't know. They've There's some, uh, I know Kyle has been keeping track of this and Adam Johnson as well, all the different times that, the Biden government has claimed to have told the Israelis that we want them to scale things back and then just keep shipping them tons and tons, 10,000 tons of weapons so far, according to the Israeli media, just since October the 7th, which is talk about a blank check. You know, they might as well say, yeah, we have a deal where we sometimes pretend to publicly reprimand them a little bit, but we don't mean it. <laughs> you know, what I mean, it's as obvious right. as that. I mean, uh, it's absolutely, you can see why they're urging restraint for uh, Lebanon and other nations that Israel might want to attack, because 
if they do attack them and things get out of control, it very quickly becomes America's fight because they've been backing Israel from the beginning. And Gaza was kind of a safe enough choice for the Americans. I mean, they just have to deflect accusations of genocide and human rights violations. And Lord knows they've done that with Israel for years anyway. So stepping in and saying, oh, the 25,000 or 30 or 40,000 or however many it is killed in Gaza is not that big a deal. It's a military goal. Yeah. Um, yep, sure seems to be the way it's going. And then it's funny to read in the Post and the Times and everywhere, the Wall Street Journal and whatever, everybody's very open about this, not, you know, including government officials, not just the reporters, but the government officials talking to them that everybody can see the public choice theory in this. The worse it is, the better it is for Benjamin Netanyahu. His interests do not necessarily align with the interests of the people of Israel, much less the United States of America. Oh, right. He's politically before the Gaza war, he was kind of dead in the water. There was like he's on his way out. You know, he's getting older. He's not really as popular a leader as he once was, even though every election he seems to drift farther and farther to the right and pander to the worst impulses of settlers trying to get a few more seats for Likud. But at this point, it seems like uh, the only way he can pander any more than he already has is to start wars. And that seems like uh, he's going to do it if that means saving his political neck. Yeah, you know, all these stories where Biden is saying, well, you better create a Palestinian state after this. And then him saying no. To me, that seems like a dog and pony show there where the Americans are only saying that just to give him the ammo, the excuse to say, see, everybody, the Americans and the Europeans and the leftists, they'll all try to make us give up a Palestinian state. Only I can prevent that. Only I have the political chops to keep them at bay and prevent that from being forced on us. Any of these lesser men as PM will have to give in. Right? Doesn't that seem fake? Especially coming from Joe Biden. It does. I mean, for for decades, the United States has given lip service to a Palestinian state. But whenever things really, when push comes to shove on the matter... If Israel says no, that's good enough for them. And Biden has been such a lifelong politician. It's clear he's intimately involved in the status quo of the occupation and supporting the Israeli war efforts. So I don't think if if even uh, public opinion starts to sway toward a Palestinian state, I don't think Biden can be counted on to make too much of a push on that matter. Yeah, certainly not. Um, and you could see where maybe he's remembering some talking points from previously or whatever, but he certainly doesn't have any heart behind it. It's always going to be whatever Netanyahu wants ultimately. Um, 
Well, now, so can you talk to rewind back to the beginning here? Can you get into some of the details of some of the strikes? You mentioned some of the assassinations, but can you talk about the strikes on the military bases and then the Israeli strikes back and just how bad that has been or not? I think you mentioned this DIA report that warns that the Israelis aren't going to be able to handle this. Yeah, the the uh, Hezbollah fire has focused a great deal on an air strategic air base on Mount Marin, and they've been hitting it with rockets and doing massive amounts of damage in the first attack, and they've launched a second round of attacks over the last 48 hours. We haven't really heard how much damage that's done, but they sure seem to be good at hitting runways and hitting uh, radar and all the things at the air base. So uh, Israel responds by firing uh, airstrikes into tiny little Lebanese villages in the south. And they say they're killing Hezbollah, Hezbollah terrorists. And you have to remember, Hezbollah is practically a part of the Lebanese government as it is. So when they blow up a medical clinic, even if it's an Islamic medical clinic, and they kill a couple of Hezbollah members that happen to be working at the clinic, they're not really killing terrorists. They're killing a couple of paramedics. Yeah. Um, well, they, they kill a bunch of journalists and all kinds of people. Things just nuts. Um well, I don't know. You want to put odds on this whole thing turning into a massive regional war that make George W. Bush blush? Well, it certainly is a potential there. Uh, the reports I'm hearing say Israel's giving the U.S. until the end of the month to try to negotiate some sort of deal with Lebanon to prevent the ground war. But... Chances are, even if they come up with a deal, Israel's going to reject it anyway and launch the ground war as it is. I mean, they don't send tens of thousands of troops to the north to prepare for an invasion with any intention of not invading when uh, when they decide they want to. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I'll tell you, I sure am happy to have you back covering the bad news for us. Oh, it's great to be back. Oh, yeah. We missed you, dude. Um, okay, you guys. It's the great Jason Ditz. He is senior editor now at antiwar.com, news.antiwar.com, and he's especially been keeping very close track of all the comings and goings and fighting back and forth on Israel's northern border and that part of this war. So thank you again, man. Good to talk to you, Jason. Yeah, thank you for having me. The Scott Horton Show and Anti-War Radio can be heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., APSradio.com, Antiwar.com, ScottHorton.org, and LibertarianInstitute.org.